Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm your host for the show. And I'm also one of the pastors at Life Church. And uh, I'm excited to bring to you this sermon that is at the beginning of a brand new series that we are calling This Is Us. Now, uh, it's not entirely brand new because we did the same series last year and we called it This Is Us, and we talked about the codes that we have as a church. And here's the thing, um, sometimes that vision that you have can leak. You can forget what you're about. You can forget what you're doing. And so we want to come back to these codes because it defines our culture. And you're going to hear a little bit more about that from Pastor Nathan. Uh, so the series, even though it's titled the same, and we're going to talk about our codes, uh, it's a different sermon. And you're going to hear some different points and um, some some exciting things uh, about Scripture and about what God is doing at Life Church. And so lean in um, and, and get excited. And, uh, and I think you'll appreciate it a lot. I just want to remind you, if this is uh, one of your first times coming to the Life Church Canton podcast, to go ahead and subscribe. And then if you feel led to give to Life Church Canton and the work that we get to be a part of, you can do that by going to lifechurchcanton.org slash give. And there will be some instructions there for how you can give. And uh, if you choose to do that, I want to thank you ahead of time, even just for um, deciding to look into it and investing in the work that we get to be a part of. So thank you very much. So without further ado, here is Pastor Nathan McWhorter with a message from the This Is Us series, and this one's called You Belong. You can have a seat. If you're online, lean in. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're starting a brand new series called This Is Us. Actually, it's a repeat of last year, but has so much more meaning um, this year as things have been so weird in the world. And I'm grateful to be with you in the room and online and to listen to you sing. It's been incredible. I hope that all of you feel welcome and are ready for what God has to say to you. If you're online, I encourage you to be interactive, and if you're in the room, don't do anything. Just be quiet and stare straight ahead and never say anything at all. Yeah, God. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so grateful you are here. This series is about our code. And you're going to hear more about what that means. But what is a code? Well, it's about who we were, who we are, and who we will be as Life Church. It's part of who we are. Now, speaking of who we used to be, I used to be younger at one point, and I used to be able to sing, believe it or not. I was in a choir, and I, I loved being part of the choir. This is when I was in young uh, eighth grade, and we went to Cedar Point, which is one of the things that we share, but, you know, Michigan and Ohio, we all went to Cedar Point, and it was a, a beautiful place. And actually, on this choir trip, I, I met my future wife, Jenna, and I remember exactly where I was in the park and exactly what she was wearing. It was a blue shirt, and she had it rolled up with tie with ribbons, and then she had like these silver foil, like like shiny star thing, and her hair with ribbons on it, something you bought there. And I will never forget the first time I saw her. It was beautiful, but uh, we were in choir together, but we had a big choir, so we'd never seen each other up until that point. But it is a beautiful um, thing, choirs. And we used to do competitions, and I, and I loved it. I loved being in a choir. I don't know if you've ever been in a choir, like a large one. Ours was over 100 people, and it just, it was amazing to hear the voices around you, to hear your part in it. 
that harmony swelling around you, if you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've experienced that in worship this morning. This harmony, this song that's swelling around you. And back then, I actually got solos, whether it was hearing behind me this group doing incredible things or me just singing my note, just getting it right, being in the right spot and feeling how good it was. Now, unfortunately, puberty happened to me and uh, I went from getting solos to singing by myself in the shower. So, uh, but I still love worship. I love that song. I love what happens when we do it together. In fact, there's so many songs that capture me. Last night I had uh, one of our leadership team over for dinner, and I asked him, who would, uh, if you could go to any concert for anybody alive or dead, who would you pick? And he said, with almost no hesitation, Jimi Hendrix. And I'm like, dang it, that was a good one. So I had to come up with something not nearly as good. But have you ever been captured by a song about music? Now, what is that for you? You could even write it down, or uh, if you're taking notes, what song captures you? Did you know that God is singing a song over you right now? Do you know that God is singing over us? In Zephaniah 3.17, says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you, but rejoice over you with singing. Have you ever heard that scripture before? Have you thought about what song God is singing over us? That's incredible. You know, some of us need a song right now, a song of comfort sung over us, maybe a song of courage or a song of hope. I wonder if we could hear what God was singing over us, what it would be. But He's not just singing over you as an individual. He's singing over all of us as a church. He's singing over Canton and all the surrounding areas, over Detroit and the metro area, over Michigan, over everybody. He is singing a song. What does that mean? And just like my eighth grade choir, each of the churches in our area, we have a part in this song. We have a role, whether alto, soprano, bass, tenor, soloist, accompanist, maybe part of the orchestra. Each church has a part in the whole that we have a song to sing as well as a church, as a reflection of what God is saying. Now, we're beautiful on our own. Yes, it's, it's, it's beautiful. But just like if you separate a choir and all of its harmonies out, they would never be as good as what they are together. What they are together when they're bound together by a song, a composer, and a director who's Jesus, it becomes awe-inspiring, and we get to be part of that. In fact, what I want for you through this whole series, but especially today, is I want you to sing that song, that song of glory, that song of salvation that God is singing over everyone. I want you to be part of the choir. You don't even have to sing well. You could be part of the orchestra. I want you to be part of the band. I want you to belong. I want you to be part of it. So what is the song? You're probably wondering, right? What's the mission? What's the call? Well, it's the Great Commission. We find it in Matthew 28. One of the last things that Jesus said before he left. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And that, everyone, I want you to hear this part because we need it right now. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
And for many of us, we're coming to the end of a season or an age in our own lives. Everything has shifted and changed. And the truth that when Jesus left, he knew these things would come and said, I am with you. This is the mission. This is the call. This is the Great Commission. This is the song. And we see it in church history over and over again in the Word of God, but over and over again, the church has sung their part in the harmony, and it's shifted and changed. The Hebrews, the Romans, the church in Philippi and Ephesus and Colossia, they each have this unique part, this unique voice, a distinct opportunity. They were called to, to sing. In Revelation, we actually learn that there are churches at the end that have lampstands, a light to shine. And because they were getting some things wrong, they're saying, hey, your lampstand, your light might be taken from you. And whether you call it a light, whether you call it a song, whether you call it a line in a poem, a part to play, a, a numeral in the equation, there is something that each church is called to sing that is unique. Life Church, we have a unique voice. That's beautiful. We do. It's not better than anyone else's. It's just ours. We have a unique voice, and that's why the code is so important. Because culture and vision leaks, our well dries up, the mission drifts off the road, we become distracted by life, and now more than ever, we have all these things trying to tear our voice away from us and tear us apart. COVID, the election, all of that threatens us with detachment and disunity and losing our voice. See, detachment and disunity are threatening to distract us from this divine song that God has called us to sing. And we must fight for our unique voice. A song of glory, a song of redemption and joy. Life Church Canton, we have a part in it. And I want you to sing that song with us, to be part of it. So we're not going to lose it, so we developed a code. Now, what's a code? It's on our wall. If you can't see online, we have a wall. And of course we do. It's a building. It has walls. Uh, but, but we have a wall over here that has all of our codes on it. And it starts at number six and moves all the way to number one. And it's a foundational code. Well, what is a code? I'll tell you what a code is by telling you what it's not. See, as a church because the Word of God, we have beliefs. Beliefs are what we've acknowledged and taught about God and humanity and salvation, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He died for us, and He uh, allowed us to be transformed. That's a belief. We also have values. Values are attributes we admire or think are important for the church. So warm, welcoming environments was one of our values, things that we value. Now we have to add on safe and people who want to wear masks and people who don't want to wear masks. We also have to have a warm, welcoming environment for online. So this is a value, something that we're working hard. Now values and beliefs inform our code, but they are not our code. A code is something more. A code is a declaration. It's something that you state. And it gives meaning to what was. See, our voice has been there. It's been there since the beginning of this church. And so we need to find it. So a code helps give meaning to who we have been. But it gives us purpose in the now, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to move, what's next. And it drives us towards who we are becoming. It is something that moves us ever forward. It's a creed. It's a gritty statement of what will be. That is what a code is. And this series is about the six code statements that we have and about asking you to sing that song with us. They're like 
guardrails that keep us on the road through the twists and turns and even the straightaways. A code also drives us forward through transitions and changes and pandemics. It's something we can act on and something that we can measure. It's actionable and measurable. It's a benchmark. It's a measuring stick. It's a sticky statement. It's a simple win. It's something that helps us keep our voice. It's so important for us to learn that. And I can't help but if you're the first time you've ever come today that this is a great series for you to start on because this is who we are. And the first one, the one that serves as the base for everything, is you belong. You belong. It's the base. It means kind of like a pyramid. The base is important because everything is built on it. If you don't have you belong, you don't have the rest of it. The point is to get to the point where we're glorifying God in everything we do. That's what it's the very front. But we have to build this base of you belong. Now, what does belong mean? If you look it up online, belong can mean three things. First, it means the rightful possession of. That belongs to me. This iPad belongs to me, unless my kids want to use it, and then apparently it doesn't belong to me anymore. But this is something that I own. It is mine. It belongs to me. Easy enough. Second, this is the one that you probably recognize a little bit more. It's to be a member of a particular group or have personal or social qualities of a particular group. You can be a sports fan if you wear the jersey and know how to speak that. You can be part of the in crowd in your school if you look and act the right ways. Belonging to a club, belonging to a group of people, whether it's the nerds or the jocks or whatever, you start to understand. We've been ingrained into us where you belong and where you don't. And then there's a third definition. And this belonging means to be rightly placed in a specific position. This iPad belongs right here where I can see it, but I had to place it there. Those are the three definitions, and we're going to work with all three as we move forward. But I want you to think when you hear you belong, which one do you hear? Which one do you hear? You belong. Now, this is a place online and in person, this church, these people, this is a place where each one of you belong, every single one of you, no matter if it's your first time or your thousandth time. Last week, someone came for the very first time. Oh, my goodness. Coming to a place they'd never been to with mask rules that they're not aware of, how nervous would you be walking into a place like that? And maybe it is your first time. I was able to talk to them and say, you belong. This is important. Or maybe you've been here every Sunday since it started. You belong. Broken, imperfect, messy, we all belong here together. This is your place. Now, I want you to get this, and I think it's important that we say these codes. In fact, if you wanted to be super sweet, you could memorize the whole code statement, but I want you to turn to the person next to you or behind you. We got masks on. It's okay. Say, you belong. Ready, go. Say, you belong to people in the room. If you're online, say, you but be- You guys are not saying it near loud enough. No one feels like they belong. Come on, say, you belong. You belong. Oh, that's much better. You can write it in the comments. I encourage you to do that online. Or you can share it with other people. Help them feel like you belong. Did you know that belonging is one of the most important needs of a human? A human needs to know that they belong. Loneliness flees when you have a sense of belonging. In fact, experiences of greater belongingness 
result in a life having more meaning for the individual, but not only that, that meaning then spreads. Meaning is found in belonging. It truly is. That's why this one is so important. Now, this code was written all over this church before we had the words for it again and again and again from the very beginning. The desire to help people feel welcome and loved is so core to Life Church, and no matter how long you've been here, you can be part of this. I want you to join this part of the song in helping other people feel that they belong as well. I'm going to talk about this at the end, but I want you to be someone, someone for someone. I'll let you know what that means, but let that marinate. Be someone, someone for someone. Why is this so important? Because most places in life, even many churches, you have to behave before you can belong. You have to dress right. You have to do the right thing. You have to find out the certain way you're supposed to act before you can belong. That's the majority of the way we've made this world. But what we know as Christians is this, that we belong to Jesus We belong to Jesus. We've given our lives to Him. And because we belong to Jesus, we belong to each other. I'll say it this way. If you belong to Jesus, then you belong to us. This is us. And this is a truth we have to fight for. Where do we see this? John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world, you know this one, (laughs) that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Jesus died to save you. Now, if you follow Him, you know that, but you need to be reminded of the gospel every day. If you don't know that, you're going to have an opportunity to choose Him. But that's the first definition of you belong, to be the rightful possession of. You see, you, if you know Jesus and you follow Him, are His rightful possession. But that's such a good thing. You have given your life. You know, you, whether you watch Star Wars or some, some you know, with uh, Chewbacca and Han Solo. Han Solo saved Chewbacca, so he has a life debt. You saved me, now I belong to you. But we understand intrinsically that we wouldn't have life without Jesus. But it even says in Scripture that you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You belong to Jesus to be the rightful possession of. You're no longer a slave to sin, but God's children through Jesus You were bought at a price. You are not your own. So before we go any farther, know this. The first definition, you belong, you belong to Jesus. Romans 5, 6 through 8. You see, he's going to explain this again. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Listen, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Belonging matters. Why? Because we belong to Him. But He came to give us something we don't deserve, which is grace. He came to give us grace, to say, you know what? You made some mistakes, but I'm going to cover it. Because of that, because of what Jesus has done for us at Life Church, grace is a guarantee for anyone who walks in the door. We'll stand on grace and extend it to others because we are nothing without it. So we must respond. You see, we often forget that a church is a hospital for the broken, not an ivory tower for the self-righteous. You can clap, but be careful, because God's going to convict you a little bit. We forget it. We so take for granted how much we've been saved from, 
that we forget to save, to extend that saving grace to other people. This is the second definition I want to bring up to you. And the second definition, if you remember, but I'll say it again. The second definition of belonging is to be a member of a particular group or, or, to, or have personal or social qualities of a particular group. So this is the measure of belongingness that most of us know, but this measure of belongingness has nothing to do with Jesus. Because Jesus said, you didn't do anything. You didn't act right. You were a sinner. You were ungodly. You were dead in your sins, and yet Christ died for you. You see, we have to reject this understanding of belonging because it doesn't have any place in the gospel. The gospel says you didn't deserve anything, but you were given everything in Jesus. The cost of grace was too high for us to keep that to ourselves, especially on some weird social construct of what means you're in and what means you're out. This is truly the gospel. Listen, you matter to him. And because you matter to him, you matter to us. You have significance because he says you have significance. He paid for you, which makes you worthy. Because I don't pay money for something I don't find valuable. And I definitely wouldn't pay my son's life for someone I didn't love and didn't have significance. And we must extend that to others. And I'll drive it home just a little bit more here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 and 27. He uses another illustration. Just as a body, though one, you know, body, one, has many parts, lots of parts all over the place, but all its many parts actually just form one, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Did you see he was saying social groups there? Whether you're in one of these groups or not, we were all given the one spirit to drink, which is the, the spirit of God. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. I'm going to go back to that song for just a moment. I want to go back to the different churches. I'm going to go back to you as an individual. See, we have made the gospel too individualistic. We have called it a hand. When it's not just a hand, it's the whole body. Let me put it another way. In America, we have made the gospel about a dismembered hand just kind of flopping around by itself, not connected to anything. Or you guys ever watch The Addams Family? You know what I'm talking about? The thing, they didn't literally have a name for it, but it was just this hand that kind of went around everywhere or stuck out from a box. You know what I'm talking about? And someone's like, you mean the 90s film, the 1990s film? And the other people are like, no, he's talking about the 1960s TV show. And then there's some people in the room like, what are you talking about? Why are you talking about last century all of a sudden? There's a generations there. But in America, we're much more told that we can be a hand off by ourselves than part of the body. I mean, I get it. Some of you don't like the way your toes look, but it doesn't mean you chop them off. They're part of you. But we have forgotten how to be part of each other. We don't get to peace out on the church. We are called to be part of it. Let me put it this way. I want you to sing the song because it's the most beautiful thing you will ever do with your life. But if you want to sing the song, you must join the harmony, which means you can't be a hand out by yourself anymore. You've got to join in. You've got to be part of it, which means we have to create a place 
of belonging. We must be part of the church. This is beautiful. See, belonging has so much more going for it than simply behaving a certain way. So regardless of what you believe, you belong here. Do you believe that? Say, say you belong. If you root for the University of Michigan, you belong. If you root for Michigan State University, you belong. If you root for the Ohio State University, you belong. If you couldn't care less about sports, you belong. Yes, I know, I see you. You shout out your favorite team, and we say that God is bigger than the Big Ten. Of course he is, but so God, could you just give us a Big Ten football season? I don't even care. I just want to watch it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. If you vote for Trump, you belong. If you vote for Biden, you belong. If you vote for a third party, you belong. And if you vote for Kanye West, you belong too. If you vote conservative or liberal or something else, you belong. If you're rich or poor, pretty, plain, or just a pain in the butt, you belong. If you are an addict, a bigot, prideful, greedy, bitter, you belong. If you struggle with mental health, if you have depression, if you're on some kind of spectrum, you belong. If you are black, you belong. If you are brown, you belong. If you are yellow or red or white, you belong. If you're wrestling with doubt, you belong. If you're gay or transgender, you belong. And if you are upset or afraid of anything I just said, you belong too. I just want to speak to all of you, whoever you fall on that list, you could go on and on all day. But what I'm talking about is something so much bigger than behavior or comfort or security found in being around people that look or act just like us. I see you. I see all of you. I hear from you. The pain you're in, the worry, the anxiety, I know it's there. And I've been praying that God shows up in your life every moment of every day. I know you've questioned if this is a place where you belong. Even if it's your very first time, you're, you're questioning that. Our world has turned upside down and we have questioned things that we had taken for granted that everything seems weird and crazy and different. And it's so important that you hear that you belong belong in this moment because it's not about that second definition. The first one informs it, right? We're the rightful possession of Jesus only. And we're rejecting that second definition that says we have to be a member of a particular group by having these specific qualities or looking a certain way or thinking the same, same way or having the same skin tone or voting for the same things or driving the same kind of car. We're rejecting that because the third one, the third one is what I am meaning when I say you belong, who we are as a code. When we say you belong, it's the third one, that you belong because you have been rightly placed in a specific position, and that position is with us. 
Do you feel the difference? This belonging is a choice. It goes, it's bigger and greater. None of the things I talked about just a little while ago can keep you from the love of God. You belong to him. And so we rightly place you in the specific position of being one of us because we have been given no other choice. Belonging is a choice, not a social quality or a haircut or clothes. Some of us think that we have to agree to belong or that unity looks like uniformity. In reality, it is choosing to be first and foremost and above all else, brothers and sisters in Christ and letting everything else go. But when the second meaning comes into play and we start to try to define what it means to belong or whether we should be a part of a church or not or whatever you want to bring into the conversation, when we make it about the second meaning too much, they're important conversations, but when we do that, we often actually force other people out. Our belonging can come at the expense of others on the fringe that in order for me to belong, they can't belong. Because that's when belonging is based on behaviors and agreement instead of on Christ. You belong because we belong to Him. The only thing that can bind us together is Christ. If you were to walk into a, any other room in the world right now and say, yeah, at my church, people who are voting all different kinds of way and have different thoughts about it are in a room and worship together, that would speak a better word about love. And about walking in tension because belonging matters. And it's the song. Most churches are more known for what sins they are against than what song they're singing. It's about the gospel, about elevating Christ above all things. And in this, we look just like the world. Most places, you have to believe a certain way, and you have to behave a certain way, and then and only then can you belong. That's the second definition, and that is not us. A quick word for us to examine our hearts, Romans 2, 4. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. We all have our brokenness. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. God's judgment will come. He will do it. There is truth. There is a cost. Listen to what he says. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet to do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? This is what breaks me. Listen to this last bit. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? His forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. We are so worried about making sure that other people do the right thing, that we've never extended the kindness to them from God that will lead them to repent. I'm not saying God can't do it. He does it. He does it despite the church all the time. God will do whatever he wants to do. But if we want to sing that right song, we have to extend this kindness 
Now, let me put it this way. Here you belong, and you belong even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm so convinced of. As you find meaning, security, and significance in this belonging, and the love of God flows through us to you and around you, as you see the love of Jesus, you will believe because you will be convinced of a God who loves you, and you will turn away from what was and turn towards Him. See, it's not about... We couldn't save ourselves, and so often we want people to look a certain way and overcome certain sins before they can belong, when in reality, the only way they're going to overcome it is if the love of God guides them to repentance. And for us, we're struggling with belonging. It's not determined only by how or what we feel, whether we feel it or not, but what we extend to others. When we create belonging for other people, we find belonging as well. When we sing that song well of you belong, we push past our own feelings and make belonging for others. We experience belonging in a way that multiplies beyond. You need to know you belong here. Everyone in the room, every person I've had a conversation with in the last seven months, you belong. And I want you to join the harmony. I want you to join the song. I want you to be part of the choir is part of what God is doing in this world. See, this isn't my code. This is ours. We made it together. It's part of who we were. We gave words to what made us us. It's our voice in the world, the light, the lampstand that the world needs. And we must learn how to extend it to others, to drop whatever's convenient and make someone else feel loved and chosen and to extend that grace and to challenge our own ways. We want to put rules around so that we feel comfortable. We have to do this. So how? I'm going to give you some action steps later uh, at the very end, but I want to remind you that people who look and act differently than you still belong to Jesus. I want you to invite people to church and community. If you're online right now, share this with someone who needs to know that they belong. Tell people about this. And finally, I want you to be someone, someone for someone. That phrase, right? <laughs> what is that? Well, we're, we're a beautiful thing online, and maybe there's some people watching right now. We've had people who've been prayed for for six years to come to church, never come to church, but came during COVID, and they were people who were atheists, don't believe in God. And they not only watched the sermon, but they also had a conversation for about an hour and a half afterwards. I'm hearing story after story about this because we're placed, is the place of belonging, this being someone, someone. But have you ever had someone you really want to know Jesus? Yeah, I better hope you do. <laughs> Your friend, maybe a family member. Now imagine for a moment, you've been praying for years and they say, hey, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, but you are literally out of the country. You are hitting your knees praying, aren't you? You're like, now which pastor is going to preach? Oh, it's Nathan. Darn it. Well, maybe it'll be better. No, I'm just kidding. My point, my point is you, you, you know how much you're putting into that moment? All of a sudden you're like, I hope everything's perfect. I hope someone connects with him. I hope a pastor connects with him. I hope someone who loves him. I hope we have a great experience. I hope that they encounter Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself. I hope they feel like they belong, right? That's someone's someone. That's someone, someone who they've been praying on their knees for years and years and years for. You see, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be someone, someone for someone. I get to lead people to Christ all the time. I get to sit there and talk with them. Do you, it's not me who does it. First of all, it's Jesus. But do you know that the seeds that have been planted have been usually decades in the making? And I get to be the someone who gets to see their, see their heart and move them to Christ. I get to be someone, someone. 
That's what you get to be. Every moment you walk in here, every moment you walk into here, every time you get into a life journey course, every time that you share this online or have conversation, you could be someone, someone. That's what it means to help people belong. This is our code. You belong. And when we get this right, it's like singing in a round. It just rolls. It keeps going. Do you guys know, uh, anyone in the room know Row, Row, Row Your Boat? Please raise your hand if you know it. Okay, way more. Thank you. When I raised my hand and I asked for it, there was like two people in the back were like, yeah, I know it. Like half the room knows it. But do you ever sing it in a round? You know? So you like, row, row, row your boat. Row down the stream. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, thank you. Two people got it. Good job. I don't want the people on, at home to not experience it as well, but that's what happens with the code. It repeats. Last year, we unveiled it. We put it up here. No one had seen it. We pulled it up and said, that's as you belong. It was our first one. You couldn't even see the rest of them yet, and it was beautiful. And a man named Marquise and a woman named Becca decided that this was their first Sunday they would come. It was beautiful. I want, I want to read what they said. The first service, this is Becca, the first service we attended here at Life Church was called This Is Us, You Belong. It's not broke, don't fix it. (laughs) I don't believe it was an accident that we ended up at this particular service. God was letting me know that no matter how distant I felt, I was welcome home with open arms and that I still belong. God was telling Marquise that no matter what he's been through or how long it took him to come to know Jesus, he belongs. This was the moment that I knew I wanted to recommit my life to Christ. And they kept coming. And if you don't know, that's a quote from their baptism message because both of them got baptized at the next New Life weekend. You're going to love the rest of this. I bet. <laughs> so this is from Marquise and what he said. The first service we ever attended at Life Church was called You Belong. This struck a chord with me because I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. Being mixed race had a lot to do with that. I didn't get to fall into the category of white or black and face discrimination even in my own family, I'd never felt like I belong till here. It's beautiful. And so he gets baptized, and here's that story. He couldn't even speak it because he had his wisdom teeth removed, so someone was reading it for him. And there was a man, his name was Chris, he's in the audience, who was mixed race as well, and resonated so much with him, he couldn't help himself. He walked up and said, I have to get baptized today because I belong. And all of them, they continued to grow. They continued to move forward. And Chris, he got involved with some men's groups and he got loved on and discipled. And he went to a men's prayer gathering during COVID. You know, we were outside with masks and everything. And he brought his son, Devin. And Devin uh, heard this story and something powerful happened to him. Let me read his own words. The men, the message, and the genuine love and care for one another had an effect on me. 
I wanted Jesus in my life. I wanted a support group of God-fearing men around me to help me navigate life. I felt that day that it was the right time for me to make the change that would shape the rest of my life. I wanted the change I saw in my dad, change for the better, more positive, happier. It was time. So that day, I committed to life, my life to Christ. And I got to lead him to Christ, right on the pavilion where some of you are standing right now. And I called his dad over, and I was like, get over here. <laughs> and said, let's pray for him. And he's just weeping and manly weeping, and, and it was beautiful. But you're probably guessing what comes next, because that quote is from his baptism testimony just a couple weeks ago. This is the time where he got baptized and shared this rolling chorus of belonging that leads to new life and discipleship and transformation. And uh, Marquise and Becca were just here last gathering. And I got to share this story with them this week because of what God did in them in a sermon a year ago today rolled through the rest of the year. And I got to share it with them and they're weeping. And the reason why I was talking to them is because I'm about to do their wedding in a couple weeks. And this is a beautiful thing. Now listen... I said to them, both last gathering and, and the week when we talked, I said to them, your marriage gets to be a place where this rolls, where you extend belonging to Jesus to person after person, to your children someday and beyond. And you will never know what your testimony and what you do will do. But when you get to see it, it's beautiful. This is us. This is who we are. You belong. And you can join the story. You can join the song. You can feel that song swell around you as you lend your voice to that harmony. And you can be part of every story that comes out of here and stories we will never see until the very end because God is good and he's singing over us and he's inviting you to sing with him. And that is what worship is. That is what a life lived well is. I'm going to come back and give you some challenges. But I need us to stop and let God sing over us. So I want you to sit. And I want you to lean in if you're online. And I want you to soak in as God speaks to you through the words of this song. out of sadness from wherever you've been come broken heart let rescue begin come find the mercy oh sinner come near earth has no sorrow heaven can't heal earth has no sorrow heaven can't heal So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. Oh, I'm broken, lift up your face. Oh, You're not too far 
So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. as you are There's hope for the hopeless Bearing all those who strain Come sit at the table Come taste the grace There's rest for the weary And rest that endures Earth has no sorrow Heaven can't cure So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. Oh, I'm broken. Lift up your face. Oh, wanderer, come. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are, come as you are. We're going to sing that in a moment, and I'm going to invite everybody to sing with that, but I have some action steps for you. The first is this. Some of you need to accept Jesus. You have to accept him, that gospel message that even though I was broken and dead in my sins, Jesus Christ died for me. And that might be you today. I want you to decide to do that with me in just a moment. Second, you need to tell people that you belong. You need to tell them. You can do that by calling them. You can share this online with someone specifically and say, look, I want you to hear this. Or you can tell them yourself. You can tell them by getting baptized and sharing your testimony and being part of this rolling story. But also, there's a group of people who are the largest group of people in our, our country right now. There are those who have no religious affiliation whatsoever, religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S. For the first time, they're the greatest group of people in the world. So how are we going to tell them that they belong? They have questions. They have critiques. I encourage you to learn the language of the gospel by joining our life journey. You can go out on the way out if you want to. You can go right out there and instead of exiting out that way and talk to people about these courses that teach you about what it means to share this story. The life journey uh, is incredible. We've had 200 people join in already this year, and we're going to have another 200 in the fall with an uh, amazing amount of facilitators. It's incredible, and you can be part of that journey with us. This is the third one. Show people that you belong. And this one I'm going to challenge you pretty hard on. Over the last four or five months, the way we have used social media and the way we have talked to each other in private and in person has not been full of love. It has not created a place of belonging but of hatred and looks more like the world than it does like Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be honest, the amount of conversations and emotional energy and prayer I have given to the hurt that has come because of these conversations is more than I ever could have imagined 
I have not slept nights because of the hurt and detachment and disunity that we are spreading amongst ourselves. And I am not talking about the church as a whole. I'm talking about our church. Show people that you belong. Be loving. Be kind. Have hard conversations, but don't do it in a way where you're just preaching at people, but you're with them, looking at the Word of God, saying, what does God have to say? So I'm challenging you to rethink, or maybe even take down some of the things you've put on social media. This is not shame. This is not bad you. Not at all. This is an opportunity to look different than the world and to present them hope because we need hope right now. We need hope and we need love and we need unity. So I'm challenging you to do that. I love you guys. I hurt when you hurt. And so does Jesus. But he has given us the ability to be love and to spread it. And it's going to roll. For those who want to follow Jesus, it's time. So in solidarity with you, I want everybody to stand with me. If you're at home, lean in. If you're online and even watching this years from now, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a conversation between you and God. And this is also us. We do this every single time because we know that somebody is having a moment and we don't want to miss it. So close your eyes. You bow your head. You can open your hands. And if you're not accepting Christ, you can start praying for the people who are about to. That's how you belong, how you are part of what we're doing. So if you're ready to follow God, repeat these words out louder in your heart. It's not a magical phrase. It's a conversation. So make it your own. First, I want you to acknowledge your need for God by saying, God, I need someone to rescue me. I want to know you. And I know I can't earn that right on my own. There's brokenness and hurt in my life that I can't overcome. Only one person, one man, one God could, and that was Jesus. So you sent Jesus, your son, to be perfect and to die for me. You purchased me. All I have to do is say yes. So I turn away from my old ways and turn towards you. I accept this love and I will be guided by your grace and truth the rest of my days. Thank you, God, for making me clean and new and giving me life beyond this world.